0: hey this is ryan tucker and welcome to the weekly sermon with pastor stephen this week he looks at romans chapter 8 verses 18 through 25 and it's titled hope is alive so our text this morning is in romans and it's chapter 8 so if you've got a bible go ahead open that up we will have scripture on the screens if you don't own a Bible, then uh, you can stop by our Welcome Center, and we will be happy to give you one. I, I do want to say Welcome Center, because I say it so fast in this Southern dialect that there are many folks that have come and said, where's the Welcome Center, S-I-N-N-E-R, and I'm like, well, you know, that, that's kind of true, but it's Center, uh, just come out there, find the word welcome, how about that, we'll just shoot that way. So today, we're continuing our verse-by-verse study through the book of Romans. We've been in it for many, many months. You know, we just kind of systematically take our time, and we deal with verse after verse after verse. It's a series entitled A Life Transformation, and uh, I entitled it that way because of the guy who's writing it. If there was ever anyone who could give testimony that a life can be transformed, it's Paul. And so we find ourselves today talking about hope. Six times in our text today, we're going to see the word hope. Now, I know that hope in our language, it gets lost a little bit on us. Hope in the English language is a weak word. It's an anemic word. Uh, we use the word hope like 15-year-olds. Uh, uh, hey, I hope I get my driver's license. Um, And you're just not real sure, are you? Especially that three-point turn can be awful hard. Uh, Or we say things like this. um, We say, I hope uh, my insurance covers my prescription bill. Can I get a witness in this room this morning? Or we, you know, we're not real sure about that. And we're really not certain about this statement. I hope I test negative. So it's a weak, anemic word. It's not the word here. The word hope in the Bible means absolute certainty. We would say it this way. You you can believe it with all you've got. The original language word for hope in our text is the Greek word elpis. Elpis. And elpis is alive. Okay? Now, some of you thought I just said Elvis is alive. No, 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 no. (laughs) Now, I know you think he works at a gas station, a truck center there in West Memphis, but no. Uh, While Elvis is dead, Elvis' hope is alive. And if there's ever a group of individuals that ought to understand the hope that we have available to us, it's those of us who are in Christ. And so today we're going to kind of unveil this just a little bit, looking at this hope. It all centers around the word grown. I'm amazed at the number of folks who profess to be followers of Christ who are looking at that hope in the English language versus the Greek language. It's anemic, it's weak. I lived in a town one time that right on the outskirts of this town, there was a Baptist church, and the name of this Baptist church was Little Hope Baptist Church. And you're like, for real, out of all the names that you could have chosen, Little Hope Baptist Church. And then half of the people, uh, undoubtedly, they lost their hope because they had a split. And so they went right down the road, and I'm like, thank the Lord. At least half of these people are now going to be able to have another Uh, name for a church. And you would think they would name it a lot of Hope Baptist Church or some Hope Baptist Church, but instead they named it Little Hope Baptist Church number two. (laughs) But Christians for sure ought to have a lot of hope. Look there, Romans 8, we're in verse 18, okay? Verse 18, we'll go all the way to 25. He writes and he says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope Of our body for we were saved in this hope but hope that is seen is not hope for why does one still hope for what he sees but if we hope for what we do not see we eagerly wait for it with perseverance so today I would say one of the things that probably we can all identify with is suffering how do I know that because we all live in this world And you may be here today, or you may be watching by television today, and your suffering, it may be of the physical nature, or you could be suffering relationally. You could be suffering financially, or you could be suffering occupationally, or you could be dealing with suffering at your home. I don't know, is there anybody in this room this morning that you're waiting for the prodigal to come home? I'm just saying suffering takes on all kinds of forms. We all understand what it means to deal with the product of living in a world that he says that is groaning. And yet what he is saying over and over again is don't give up hope. Those that are in Christ do not give up hope. And he doesn't even leave us to why we shouldn't. He answers the question in verse 18. Look at it again. Here's the hope that he says we have. He says, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now, he's talking about future tenses right there. So he is saying that if you take all the suffering that we deal with in this life, in this world, it's just a little drop in the vast deep ocean of redemption and hope that is known as future glory. Or to put it in layman's terms, I know that there are times where you think that the suffering and the pain and the grief and the disappointment and the discouragement are so overwhelming that you're just not sure if you're going to make it. And he is saying, hang on to hope. It'll not always be that way in Jesus. And then he says, I'm going to give you two reasons. Two reasons why As followers of Christ, you ought to have hope. Now, they all revolve around the word groan. There are three of them, but we're only going to talk about them two today. And then next Sunday, we'll get to the third one. But the first reason that we see in this passage of Scripture why Christians have hope is uh, creation groans for a new birth. There's something wrong with creation. I mean, I'm not telling you something you don't already know, right? This world's messed up. Things are not the way they were intended to be. That when God created the world, I'm saying that it was absolutely perfect. Not one little thing that was wrong. You guys remember in the first days in the days of Adam? And Adam had that little problem called sin. And then God came to him and God said this. Maybe you'll identify this passage of Scripture. It's in Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. Listen to what God said to Adam. He said, because you listened to your wife. A lot of stories start that way. (laughs) Because you listened to your wife and you ate from the tree, about which I commanded you must not eat cursed is the ground the earth for your sake in toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life and then he gets over in genesis 3 verse 18 and he makes this statement thorns and thistles will grow up see in the garden of eden there were no thorns there were no thistles there were no briars in case you don't understand what I'm saying, I'll put it in panhandle vernacular. There were no sand spurs in the Garden of Eden. And then all of a sudden, something happened that completely messed up this perfect and ideal world, and it's called the fall of man. And when the fall of man happened, we had the curse of sin And ever since that moment, something has been wrong in the earth. And because of that, the Bible says that even this earth, even creation, is groaning for something to happen. Even creation is saying, I just don't feel right. Something doesn't seem right. You ever wondered why bad things happen in this world? That's a question I get a lot. Well, why did God cause this to happen? Why did God cause this suffering? Why God let this pain take place? Why did God allow this to happen? I always find it interesting that folks who have no time for God, when something goes wrong, they sure do want to blame him. Do you know why? It's because of sin. That, that, that's the reason why. Things happen, and things are messed up, and things are broken in the world that we live in. And so sin is responsible for all this pain and suffering, and we even see him kind of breaking it down. The reality is we could spend the rest of the time that we have left this morning just kind of talking about every single thing that sin has brought. But did you know that, first of all, sin, it's responsible for disease, Not hardly a single week goes by that I do not hear of someone that has been diagnosed with a deadly disease. Not hardly a single week goes by that I don't hear of someone in our church family that has been diagnosed with cancer. And it seems as though over the last couple of years, not a single week goes by that there's not someone that I know that because of some deadly disease leaves this earth. Friend, in the Garden of Eden, there was no death and there was no disease. It was as if when Adam and Eve sinned, they opened up a Pandora's box of human disease. It's on our planet and right now, you and I live in the fallout of the fall. Right. A while back, I was having a, uh, a little minor outpatient procedure. And by the way, it's minor when it happens to you. It's major when it happens to me. And so I'm there, and you know they're, they're asking all these questions, and the nurse has this, she has this sheet, and she's like, just a few things I want to ask you before the anesthesiologist gets in here. Now, I need to know, uh, have you ever had diabetes? What, what, no. I mean, have you ever had hypoglycemia? Have you ever had tuberculosis? Have you ever had gallstones, kidney stones? Have you ever seen the Rolling Stones? And, I mean, she's asking all these questions. And I thought, thank goodness she's done. She flips over to page two. (laughs) Have you ever been blind? You ever felt like you're blind? You ever known anybody blind? And it goes through this whole thing and it's cut. I'm like, no, 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 no. And then she flips over to page number three. And when she gets to page number three, here's what I'm thinking. Number one, thank God I've not had all this stuff. But then number two, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, my goodness, look at all that can go wrong with the human body. There is so much sickness and there's so much disease in the world today, and the reason why is all because of sin. But not only disease, but did you know that sin's responsible for disasters? Natural disasters like floods and earthquakes and tornadoes and hurricanes. I promise you, there were no tornadoes or hurricanes in the Garden of Eden. But when man sinned, man released this power. And since that time, Paul is saying all of creation, all of this earth. Am I the only ones that just saw that? Did y'all see lights flash? Okay. whoo! That freaks me out when that happens. And I think I might be the only one that sees it. Because number one, I'm like, God, are you saying something? And number two, I'm like, is the window getting smaller and smaller? Because I can promise you, I don't want to pass out in front of you. Of course, I don't know preaching into glory might not be a bad thing. All right. Look in verse 20. (laughs) For the creation was subjected to futility. Not willingly. It's not creation. Creation didn't say, you know what? I think I'll take futility. Check that box. No. But because of him who subjected it. God subjected even creation to futility. Why? Because of sin but causes sin. Sin is what causes disease. It causes disasters. Sin also, he tells us, causes decay. Decay. Look at verse 21. It says in 21, creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption. Corruption. Do you know what corruption means? See, I know that we live in a day and time that says, "Boy, if we can just get the right people in office and if we can just get the right legislation passed and if we can just make some wise, wise decisions, then you know what? We can make this earth, we can make this created order a better thing. We, we can finally have what we long for, utopia. It'll not happen here, friend. Physically speaking, this earth is not moving towards a Utopia. This earth is winding down. That's the groaning that he talks about in this passage of scripture. That's the bondage of creation. You know, in an earthquake, literally, you can hear the earth groaning. When those tectonic plates move over each other, it's like the, like the earth-created order is letting out this bellowing cry, something's not right, I am not what I've intended to be. And so creation is groaning, but he says right here, it's not the groan of death, and that changes everything. I mean, it is a groan of something to come. Because even creation is going to be reborn. The world literally is going to be rejuvenated. It's going to be revived. It's going to be renovated in the future. That there is going to be a new heaven. And there is going to be a new earth. Verse 22, look at what it says. The whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs. I've never experienced the pains of birth, nor do I plan to. But I'm familiar with some who have a first-hand account. And childbirth, some of the most excruciating pain you would ever know in this world, to which all the ladies said, amen. There you go. All right, ladies. Ladies. Just make it sure. I've done counseling and you know I, I do, do a lot of counseling. And it's funny because I had a couple one time and they're in there and you know they're they're married and and okay, let's talk about where did where did things start going wrong? Where did you first start realizing that you had issues? And 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 here's what he said. He said, Hey, listen, um, everything was going good until we had kids. But no, he meant literally having kids. He said, I'll never forget, we were there, we were in the uh, birthing room, and I'm telling you, she looked at me in a way that I'd never seen her look at me like before. And he said, she even said some things to me that I'd never had said to me before. Now, she doesn't remember them, but she said them. And here's what he said. She made me promise that she would never find herself In this condition again. He said, and then she gave birth. She became a mom. And it wasn't a birth into death. It was a birth into life. And he said, it wasn't that long after that. She said, you know, I think we need another one. And he said, I didn't fall for it, preacher. I didn't fall for it. I remember what she said. And I'm like, but you got four kids. He said, I was weak. I was weak. He's talking about the pain here of childbirth, not a pain leading to death. It's leading to life. And so he's making the comparison there with this groan of creation, a groan that is leading to a rebirth, right? A groan that is leading to life, that nature is literally going to be reborn in the future. You guys remember in the days of Noah and the earth was destroyed by what? flood. And you remember what God said? You remember what God said? God said, I will never ever destroy the earth with flood, a flood ever, ever again. I give you a promise, and I will even give you a symbol of my promise, which is the rainbow. And we know all throughout the Bible, we see beautiful foreshadowing in the Old Testament of the salvation that is needed by mankind, and yet God always providing, God always giving hope, God always giving promise. That even in the time of Noah and the ark, that God then was saying, by the way, your greatest need is to be saved from your sin, but I'm sending a boat, I'm sending a Savior. I'm sending away, breaks my heart today, that there are those who have used the great promise of God as a perversion to what God has said is best. No, the rainbow is a beautiful promise. And he says, I'll not destroy the earth again by flood, but there will be a time where the earth will be destroyed by fire. It's not going to be totally wiped out forever because the Bible says there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And if any of you are sitting there and you're biting your fingernails, you're like, man, it makes me really scared to sit there and think that this earth is going to be destroyed by fire. Friend, if you're in Christ, you're not going to have to worry about it. You'll be out of here. You're like, well, that's what you believe. That is exactly what I believe. And if I'm wrong on our way up, I won't say a word, but if I'm right... On our way up, I'm going to wink and say, told you so. <laughs> See, that's what he is saying. The world is messed up because of sin. Creation itself even realizes something is not right. Creation is groaning to be changed. But then there's a second reason we have for hope. And it revolves around those that are in Christ. Because Christ followers groan for a final Redemption. Look back in verse twenty-three with me. Did y'all see that? No, I, nothing. I just messing with y'all. I just seen. I seen if y'all started thinking, man, something's wrong with me now. Um, look in verse twenty-three. We cut all this stuff out of TV. If you watch on TV, there are things that happen here that you'll never ever know. Verse twenty-three. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. So, if you were here last week, you're going to hang on, Pastor. This just said that we're eagerly awaiting an adoption. But now last week, you said that we are adopted into the family of God at the moment of salvation. Which is it? Both. They're, They're both Correct. Understand writing to the Romans is one to make perfect sense in their culture. Because when someone was adopted in the Roman culture, first of all, they would have this private adoption ceremony when they were young and they had every, every uh, heir, they had every uh, benefit of being a part of this family. It just wasn't done out in public with this big service. But when they reached the age where legally, now they were legally heirs, That's when they'd have this big public ceremony. And so with keeping uh, with kind of the theme of writing to the church there at Rome, when you and I come to Christ, we're privately adopted as a child of God, but one day the full adoption will be a public experience. You're like, well, I'm not really following you on this. Look at the last few words of verse 23. The redemption of our, not our souls, that happens when you get saved. The redemption, not our spirits, the redemption of what? Our body. If you think that the only thing that is going to be redeemed about you in Christ is your soul, then you are missing out on a very important teaching in the Bible that our bodies themselves are even going to be redeemed. So with that being said, let me give you two statements about redemption. Statement number one, redemption commences at the moment of salvation. At the moment. Matter of fact, uh, the Bible makes it very clear that the Holy Spirit takes up residence the moment that we are saved. Jesus Christ has bought us back with His blood, He has redeemed us. It is something that begins when we trust Christ, but it doesn't end when we trust Christ. It doesn't end until later. Do, do, do you notice, uh, again in verse 23, it says, The Holy Spirit, oh, this is good right here. The Holy Spirit is a first fruit. Over in Ephesians chapter 1, here's what Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. The Holy Spirit's like a deposit. Well, now, hang on, what does that mean? First fruit and a deposit. First fruit when they would go out to the harvest. And they would take that first little sheath of barley. And they would harvest it and they would bring it into the temple. And they would give it to God. And they would say, God, this is the First. God, I'm not going to give you what's left over. God, I'm not going to give you what, something that's not cost me something. God, I'm not going to tip you when I take care of everybody else that I'm, in, uh, that I'm in credit to. No, 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 God, I'll give you the first and the best. By the way, can I just say that's still the best practice? It's not about God saying, hey, I need your stuff. Are you kidding me? It's not about necessarily even the act of giving, but it's about what it represents. Hey, God, the reason why I have what I may have is because you are the provider. And I know here's what we always want to do. Well, not me, man. I'm a hard worker. I've sacrificed. I've studied. You know, I, I work from sunup to sundown. I've really, really put in a lot so that I might have what I have, so that I might be successful and provide for my family. It's all that I have done. And yet the simplest argument is this. You let one little cell in that brain misfire and you'll understand who the provider really is. And so this first fruit, so God, we went out, we, we, we saw the first little wheat that came up, barley, and we tore it and we brought it in here. And we're laying it down, we're worshiping you, we're giving it to you because it's a promise, more's coming. More's coming. I, I, I found that many times our prayers and our thoughts are not about how much more can I give to him, but it's kind of like, what's the least amount I can give and feel comfortable with? Mm-hmm. And so, It's the first fruit. The Holy Spirit is the first, a promise of more to come. So it means this, that if you know Jesus Christ at the moment that you are saved, the Holy Spirit comes to take up residence in you. It's not a second blessing. It's not a third blessing. It's not you need to do something else so that you might be a recipient of the Holy Spirit. As you've heard me say many times, it's not about you getting more of the Holy Spirit of God. You get all the Holy Spirit of God you need the moment you get saved. But it's about the Holy Spirit of God getting more of you. And so what is happening here this first fruit he is saying I am going to give you the holy spirit it is in you and it's just the first fruit of what's going to come in the full harvest Now what does that mean Here's what I take that to mean You stop and think of the spirit filled life mean any good M- Maybe here's a better question do you remember what it was like to be lost? Isn't life better saved? So some of you need to tell your face that. Isn't life better saved than lost? Amen. So you stop and think of the Spirit-filled life, you're like, my goodness, the Holy Spirit living in my life, right? Man, that is so good. Life is so much better than what it was before. What he is saying right here is even though the Spirit-filled life is wonderful, mm, it's going to be better in the future. You can't even begin to imagine how good it's going to be. And then he says the Holy Spirit's a deposit. Now, when you're getting ready to buy a house, you're getting ready to buy real estate or something like that, and you're like, I really mean business here, then what you do is you usually put down earnest money. And earnest money, or that deposit says, I'm real, we're really serious about buying this house, and we're going to pay full price. Or the climate that we live in today, we're willing to pay over full price. It's like some of you are like me looking around, my, my goodness, i got a lot of value in my home. Maybe I sell it. And then you're like, but wait, I'd have to buy one. It's that earnest money, right? So he says again, the deposit is the Holy Spirit of God. It's his promise. There is more to come. What is it that the Holy Spirit promises? What is the full harvest? What is the full payment? Well, the full payment is full redemption. What is full redemption? Again, understand, when does redemption start? It starts and commences the very moment that you are saved from your sins and you surrender your faith and trust to Jesus Christ, but it will be completed at the return of Christ. So the Holy Spirit is a reminder of us. He's not done with me yet. This world's not all there is. And so when a Christian dies, their soul, their spirit, immediately, instantaneously, goes to be with Jesus. When I'm preaching, hang on just a second, I was reading a book, and this book said, hey, listen, here's what Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be in the presence of Jesus. I'll go ahead and choose him over any modern-day author. Because he didn't write, it was the Holy Spirit writing through him. But is that the end of our bodies? No. No, it's not. Jesus one day is going to come back, and those bodies are going to be resurrected, and we are going to be like what? Like Jesus. And so if you're here and you're young and you're like, man, my body don't hurt at all. Matter of fact, my body is in its most pristine shape a body could be in. I mean, I work so hard. Not only do I have a six pack. I mean, you can see I got muscles in my ears. Man, I'm just telling you, I feel so, so good. This might get a little lost on you. But if you're like me and you wake up at 28 degrees and you're like, my goodness, I can't even bend my ankle. Walking to the shower gets you out of breath. And I read this and I think, man, there are some loved ones that love Jesus who've gone on that even their bodies will be raised. I love, this is a true story, I love. You've heard me say it before. There was this old preacher who died and his nickname was Peas, P-E-A-S, Peas. And so he understood what full redemption was. He left very strict instructions. Hey, when I die, this is what I want placed on my tombstone and this is what is on his tombstone. It says, the body of Peas lies beneath this sod, but Peas ain't here, this is just the pod. But he wasn't through. It also said, cause peas done shelled out. And he went to God. That God is even going to renovate and raise the bodies of dead Christians. Well, what about Christians who are cremated? I get that question a lot today. Now, here's what I say. I don't want to be created, but the reality is I don't have a say in it. I'm not going to worry about it one way or the other. Well, if you get burned up, you can't go to heaven. Really? Because I hadn't read that. What about Christians that are cremated? What about Christians who died 1,500 years ago and uh, their bodies have decayed and their bodies have deteriorated and their bodies, there's really nothing else there at all. What what about somebody that is so disintegrated that again, there is nothing at all when it comes to this body. Hey, I would just say this, don't worry a single bit about it because when the creator, Jesus comes back and he says, you know, I don't know what he's going to say, whatever word it is or he speaks And he says, There may be one molecule that's on the other side of Mars. There may be one molecule that's right in the middle of the sun. There might be one molecule that's buried in the deepest part of the Gulf of Mexico. But all he'll have to do is speak a word and they'll all come back together. He'll have all he needs. To make this resurrection eternal body, what he says, the redemption of the body. But now that's for dead Christians. What about Christians that are going to be alive? In which, let the record show, I'd be happy not to have to go through a cemetery. (laughs) If he just wanted to come on back today, I'd be all right with that. That way I... Wouldn't have to worry about the Chiefs getting beat this afternoon by the Bengals. Oh, God, please let it be. (laughs) It's it's amazing. Some of you won't clap for anything, but you talk about football, you'll clap about that. What about those that are alive when Christ comes back? We'll be instantaneously changed to be like Jesus Christ. To be like Jesus. Listen to this. This is what Paul writes. This is 1 Corinthians 15, 51. 1 Corinthians 15, 51, he says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. For 12 years, I've been telling Tammy, that ought to be on the walls of our preschool ministry. (laughs) That's that's a little bit lofty for some of you to understand (laughs) that we will not all be changed. Or we will not all sleep, but we will all be, anyway, changed. We'll not all sleep. Here's what he means. He's not talking about the bed babies room. He means that not everyone in Christ is going to die. That there'll be some alive when he comes back. And even though we'll not all die, some of us will, some of us won't, some are closer to the, dead, to the grave than others. We will all be changed, though. And this was referring to the second coming. Well, what's the resurrection body going to be like? What's that redemption of the body going to look like? I spend most of my adult life in study. And, uh, you know, uh, it seems as though, you know, I will I was always Bible, you know, Bible college and then seminary and then seminary and master's and then doctorate and all those kinds of things. So I've spent a great deal of time studying the scripture, studying the original language, studying eschatology. And so people will come and they will say, what is that, what is that body going to be like? I will tell you, as one who is very highly learned, I have no idea. <laughs> and I'm not highly learned. I'm just trying to prove a point. Well, I don't know. All I know is it's going to be like Jesus. And that's enough for me. Matter of fact, can I make a statement? I'll take a step back. I would take a body less than Jesus, what I deserve, if I can just be where he is. But he says he's not going to stop halfway. No, no, no. He is even going to change the body. We're going to be like Jesus Christ and we're going to be transformed. That those of us that are alive, when Christ comes... A while back, I had a, uh, I had a phone call, a solicitation phone call to my cell phone. Has that ever happened to y'all? You're like, how'd they get my number? I'm convinced some of y'all gave it to them. And, 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 and she was trying to sell uh, cemetery plots, burial plots. And, uh, you know, answer the phone. I don't, I don't normally answer if I don't recognize the number. I really, I really don't. And I don't, I don't know what happened, but I did. And, and so you could hear going through the, the spill that they do. And, you know, I'm kind of watching, I think I was watching a ball game and I'm sitting here listening to that. And normally I would hang up. I would just normally hang up. And I thought, well, you know what? I'll just have a little bit of fun. And, and so she does her spiel, and I said, well, you know, I'm not interested in buying a burial plot, but I would like to know, do y'all, do y'all lease those things? <laughs> you could hear the pages flipping. <laughs> Clearly, that was not a, an answer that they had thought would be an answer. And after a while, it, she says, well, I mean, sir, can, can I just ask you, why would you ask that question? I said, well, a couple of things. Uh, number one, I'm a blood-bought believer in Jesus Christ. And, you know, Jesus Christ, he, he, uh, he may come back. But let's just say that I do die. If I die in Jesus Christ, he will come back one day. So I won't need it for all eternity. I might just need it for a few years. And if I'm still alive before he does, or I'm still alive when he does come back, I'm not going to need it at all. And there was a moment of silence. She said, well, thank you very much. And she hung up on me. There's going to be a full redemption, church, of the body. We're going to be changed instantaneously. And again, I don't know about you, but I am looking so forward to a new body. My body hurts sometimes. Man, when we came here almost 12 years ago, we came from Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, My wife will tell you the first time we came down here to meet with your search committee, there were about six inches of snow on the ground in Little Rock, and it was so bitter, bitter cold. And we flew in here and we got off the plane, it was about 80 degrees, and we're like, now this is all right. This is good. When it's really cold, I can't, you know, I was in that car accident, crushed my legs, broke my face, and, you know, some of you are like, I thought you had a stroke. No, I had a car accident. And so sometimes it's hard to get all these pins and rods and nails and stuff moving and going, and I'll hobble around, but warm weather is a lot better than cold weather. So we came, 80 degrees, we go back, still snow on the ground. I'm like, I think God might be calling us to Florida and it was false advertisement, (laughs) 28 degrees this morning. There are things that hurt that, you know, it causes me to read this and get a little excited that this body is not going to be the body that I'm going to have forever. I mean, he started a work in me. He has redeemed my soul. He's sanctifying me and my personality. But one day that full redemption will take place. It will either happen when when I'm alive and he comes back or I've already gone and he comes back. And there are some of you that are, makes me appreciate those of you that are older who may hurt more than I do. Friend, he's not a, he's not a part-time or a partial redeemer. He redeems in full. Some of you know that I have a, I have a special needs sister She's 47 years old, four years younger than me. When she was born, she was born perfectly healthy. When she was 11 months old, she contracted viral encephalitis. She's still in an 11 month old state today. We have never sat down and had a conversation. I mean, she can let us know if she's upset about something. Whenever I get to go to my parents' house, You know, she's got television programs that she likes to watch, and if I come in and change it to a ball game, she will let me know she is not happy. (laughs) But we've never carried on a conversation. My parents take, I mean, they're her caregivers. They take her to the restroom. They feed her. They take complete care of her. Never saw, I've I've never seen my sister walk. Loves music. She loves music. When I was growing up, uh, there was one song that she really loved that, uh, now she can't walk, but I'm telling you, she she can kind of keep rhythm tapping that foot. She can keep rhythm better than some of you. all I looked around this place. I (laughs) promise you that right there. Her favorite song was uh, Elvira by the Oak Ridge Boys. Y'all remember that song? And so I went out, and uh, I, I, I gave her, for her birthday, uh, the 45. Now, so there used to be this thing called records. <laughs> it's hard to explain, but there was a, oh, no, 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 they They've kind of come back. Yeah, you guys, my kids have record players now. Uh, but anyway, that used to be all we had. Uh, and... Um, The 45, that was the single, right? The 45? Yeah, 33 was the big one. made no sense, but anyway. And we'd play that thing over and over, and man, she would just scream in enjoyment. And I used to think it was funny, and I'm like, let's play it again. We're going to play it again, play it again. Excuse me. If I get a little excited... When I read that one day, he's even going to redeem this old body that's shackled with sin. Now, it'll not be the first thing I do when I get to heaven. You say, well, when I get to heaven, I've got some questions for Jesus. I just hope I'm near you. (laughs) You're going to fall down like a dead man or a dead woman. That's what's going to happen, because I will as well. The very Shekinah glory of God. (laughs) It'll not be the first thing I do. But excuse me if I get a little excited about heaven. Because I'll have a conversation with my sister. And I know I'm a Baptist preacher. But I've been here long enough. I've got dirt on most of you. So I'm not worried about saying this. I'm telling you. I'll dance with my sister. And can I tell you what I love? The conversation is not going to be a traditional brother-sister conversation. I can't believe you did this. I can't believe you said that. I'm so sick and tired of you being the favorite. You You know how those things go. But instead, see, I kind of have this, I kind of have this in my mind, that the first conversation we have and the first words that I get to hear her say, and again, I may be wrong. But the first words I think I'm going to hear her say is this. Man, can you believe Jesus? Can you believe what he's like? Wow. Look at Jesus. Can you believe? Can you believe Jesus? He's greater than what we thought. Friend, listen to me. That's the truth. Whether you have viral encephalitis, cerebral palsy, whether you're crippled, whether you're hurting, whether you're like me and you're just old and achy, one day the Bible says, even this body is going to be redeemed. And Paul says, that's why we have hope. And that's the reason why we never give up when we're hurting. It's why we never give up when we're disappointed. It's why we never give up when we're discouraged because the glory to come is so much greater than the suffering we endure right now. So my friends, you look forward to your hope, your hope in Jesus. There's a song that we grew up singing, and you know our guys will break it out every now and then. It's usually one of those mashup things they do: new song, old song, mash them together. Is it mash or smash? I can't remember. Same premise. Billy Carl Lipford was our arm waver. He'd turn to Mary Joe Chastain on the piano, and then we'd break off. It's one of my favorite. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. But holy, lean on Jesus' name. Our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in Christ. Hey guys, this is Stephen Kyle, and I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today, Unchangeable Truth. This is a ministry of Highland Park Baptist Church in Panama City, Florida. We would love for you to visit us if you ever find yourself in the Panama City area. Our address is 2611 Highway 231 North. You can also learn more about our church and its ministry by going to our website, and it's park.org. There you'll learn more about what we believe, what we teach, about the gospel of Jesus Christ. There'll also be a sermon archive there so you can go and listen to various sermons over the last several years. As always, we would love to talk to you about your relationship with Jesus Christ. So feel free, shoot us an email, info at highlandpark.org if you'd like to learn more about Jesus and what it means to follow Him. Our prayers are that you would draw near to Christ, that this podcast would be used to point you to Jesus and to help your faith grow and your walk increase. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening.